0: Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f- gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.
1: Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, this week I have an interview with David and Bonnie who now live in California, but lived on their boat in the south of France near Marseille and took people out on their boat and also used their boat for a bit of a bed and breakfast to make money they're no longer on their boat. They sold their boat. They're living in California now. But I wanted to talk to them about their time on their boat. The audio quality was uh, so-so because they were both talking into the computer microphone, which has marginal audio characteristics. But I did the best with what I had. I hope you enjoy it. Now, I want to thank a couple people. Rafael, who's the one listener who from Mexico who wrote a review on the podcast, wrote me back a a little email. He said, thank you for reading my comment and the last podcast. It was amazing. I hope not to be the only Mexican listener of it. Finally, I bought an old Catalina 27 to learn the art of sailing just a month ago, and I'm very excited about it. Your ASA 101 lessons are very helpful to me, but I also need to learn the parts of a boat in Spanish. What I found, at least in Mexico, is there's a rough language mix between English and Spanish terms. Thank you so much for the podcast. It's very nice. Thanks, Rafael. I appreciate you dropping me a note on that. Then there was another review written in iTunes. It was written by E.J. Rideout, a U.S. review. He said, I've been sailing my whole life on the California coast, and I've always dreamed of doing a charter in the Med or in the Caribbean. This podcast has done more to inspire me and to inform me than any other source. Franz has tons of practical experience, which he relates clearly in a very well-organized format. His guests are always hugely entertaining, and the experiences they share are fascinating and at times mind-boggling. Franz knows exactly what questions to ask his guests to bring out the most critical information, the kind of things that can make or break a decision about gear or choice of direction, for an entire voyage. Thanks, Franz. Keep it up. And Mr. Rideout, E.J. Rideout. Thank you so much for writing that review. I really appreciate it. I changed my email address after getting 400 emails a day. I junk emails. If they were all from listeners, I'd be I'd be okay with that. But 400 junk emails a day, I decided to change my email address. If you use the contact form of the website, that goes to the new correct email address. If you write me, it's franz1, franz with the number one after it, at medsailor.com. Last week, I missed a podcast episode. I just didn't have the time to get it out, and it's coming into spring and a very busy time of year for me. I may or may not be able to get out weekly podcasts. I may have to go to once every two weeks or once every three weeks. It takes a lot of work to get these podcasts out. I do have an interview scheduled next week for a man that lives in Split, Croatia. He's a native of Croatia. He's lived there 40 years and sailed the coast for 40 years. And he has a website, and he's going to talk to us about places in Croatia that he would recommend sailing. So I look forward to talking to him. I'll try to get that out next week. If not, it'll be the week after next, assuming we get together. I have one other interview scheduled. That's going to be in June. So I don't have any interviews scheduled between now, except for the one in Croatia, between now and a month from now. So if you have suggestions on topics you'd like me to talk about or guests you'd like me to interview, drop me an email. And last, before we get into the podcast this week, if you are studying for the ASA 101, 103, or 104, examinations or want to learn to sail. I can't teach you to sail in an audio course, but I can teach you the fundamentals and the things you need to think about. Consider buying my audio courses on learning to sail, basic coastal cruising, and basic bareboat certification courses. Those are the ASA 101, 103, and 104. I have three separate audio courses. If you have any interest in those courses, they are available at the website medsailor.com. And let's get on with today's interview so i'm talking with david and bonnie chateau of chill out sailing well tell me about your experiences where you've been sailing and where you're at right now well um so we are an
0: international couple as, as you see and there was a time when uh bonita was uh bonnie was in uh in america and i was in france And I always wanted to, I was always passionate with boats. And I was thinking like, okay, why not living on a boat? So I called her and said, hey, what do you think of this idea? And she said, okay, go for it. And since uh, I was living on the Mediterranean close to Marseille in a very lovely place, I started to find a boat and we got the boat. And uh, once she joined me, then we were together uh, on the boat and we would sail uh, as much as possible.
2: So we were in the city of Martigue, which is a very small town, mm. not very well known, but it's very cute. And we lived in Martigue for a bit over a year in the boat.
0: Mm, I, I purchased the boat in June 2013 and I sold her uh, in October 2015.
2: And so we would take her to... Uh, Les Îles de Frioles, which is on the coast of Marseille. We would take her to um, Cassis, which is near Marseille, well, about a couple of hours away by boat. And um, we had a big trip to Minorca, the Balearic Islands.
1: Well, that would have been quite a ways from where you're at, isn't it?
0: Yep. Well, it's um, from Martigue to Menorca. It's like
1: 200 – it's not that much. It's like 210 miles. Now, I think I read in your blog you had some bad weather on that trip.
0: Yeah, well, um, bad weather, yeah. Yeah, actually, on the way back to France, we decided to make a stop in um, a French-Spanish border the weather was not that good and we would have to be 48 hours on the sea so we would prefer to make it in in uh, two steps and uh yeah it's um the the that place uh, near Rosas it's a uh, it's a cape it's a cap, cape cape cap uh very known for the bad weather like not in terms of rain but very strong wind uh unexpected uh, hard wind and um g- Pretty intense swell. Um, so the day after we were supposed to to leave again because I we were pushed by the middle time because I had to work on the Monday and it was a Saturday, and I decided to to leave, uh, knowing that they, the the weather of like twenty five knots would be expected, and uh, we got like more than forty five knots of wind, like um, in gusts of wind. 40, I think I remember 48 knots and uh, it, we had to to do close holding so it was bad and the swell was like something three meters high and yeah in two times the um, our boat which is a 38 uh, feet long boat would dig enfin, it would dive into the into the um, the wave because the swell is very short and it's like break Breaking 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 waves. different? Mm-hmm. Breaking waves, and the the boat would um, get into the the wave, uh, submerging. Submerging mm-hmm. all the whole boat, and after that we there were electrical problems. So the windlass started to um, to to release the the chain and the anchor. So it was. It was a bit complicated, but we had other stories that I did not describe in the blog either. Did you explain about the Spinnaker? Yes, I did. Okay, and um, so that was pretty tough. And the other.
2: We had several mishaps, but we survived and the boat was intact. Yeah. Well, from the trip back from Minorca to Teague we had to cut off the chain, so we were sailing without a,
1: an, anchor. an anchor.
0: Yeah
2: because we had to make a big decision so we just decided to cut the chain off
0: yeah. and go
2: just for safety reasons yeah.
0: this passage of this cap took us like uh, maybe 9 like 9 hours overall and it's supposed to be something to do in 2 hours or 3 hours and we were so exhausted so we stopped in a marina just after Rosas and we left the day after
2: But fortunately, that was like, what, what, two days out of our whole trip. We were on like a two-week trip before that on our way from Marseille to Minorca. It was beautiful. Three days, two nights, blue sky.
1: No wind. (laughs) So you motored all the way then, huh?
0: No, but I hate motoring. So we would motor only if the boat
1: would go less than three knots of speed. That's pretty much my rule of thumb, too. If it's going three knots, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sail. But if it's going less than that, that's when I start the engine and, and keep, yeah, start going. Yes.
0: We had another very scary moment. I think this moment was even more scary. Is uh, w- We were in Marseille, and um, we were uh, broad-reaching. And, um, it was
2: from Cassis back to, to Martigues. Martigues.
0: And uh, the, the, there was a 15 knot established wind, and I we were the only two on board, and we I decided to to put the spinnaker. I have an 86 square meter uh, spinnaker, so which is pretty big. It's a symmetrical spinnaker, and I did a mistake. Did it, uh, I confused. I was confused because the apparent wind and the true wind. So of course, when you are broad reaching, if you see fifteen knots, it means that. And in real, it's more than twenty knots. So, which is not good to put the spinnaker when you are only two on board. And what happened is that uh, the spinnaker started to to flip, and I like cut in the middle, like there was a the big space on the on the on the upper uh, side of the forestay and the big balloon on the. Downer, uh, downside of the of the first day, and I could not detach the halyard. The halyard was blocked. the the, the sheets were blocked. So uh, and the wind got stronger, because you got to know that. Well, maybe you know, but in the Mediterranean, um, the winds can rise up to ten or fifteen knots in only half an hour. So we didn't know what to do. So, um, when you have a boat, you have the spinnaker and you don't you can't control your spinnaker it's very, very bad, especially when you are surrounded by rocks um so we, we found a place to, in a way started to get to say, abri abrité. Sh- uh, shelter shelter a little bit from the wind, and I climbed up to the mast several times because I had um mast steps and I would Explique I can't say in English. I'm going first day. on the first day. Sled down uh, on the first day with, uh, with the rope trying to wrap the spinnaker. <clears throat> and uh, it was not successful. So I finally decided to... Because I wanted absolutely to reduce the size, the, the surface... Um, to be able to reach a safer place and attach all the all the the, the spinnaker. so the I succeeded to reduce the third of the surface surface by um wrapping just by holding me uh holding myself on the first day and slide down on the first day. I was not attached oh. So it, He was very stupid for for, for me. Um,
2: He was like Tarzan. It was so scary. And it was not the place to be Tarzan because if he fell in the water, I don't know what I would do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because Bonita wanted to be um, in a a little bay to be protected. And I didn't want because it was surrounded by rocks. So when you have... boat with a spinnaker that you can't control you don't want to be close to rocks so finally I managed to reduce the third of the surface by wrapping with with ropes and I found this idea of turning the engine on and make a lot of 360s around around ourselves uh-huh. with with the engine so that the spinnaker would finish
1: to roll up under uh, around the force stage. That's a clever idea. I hadn't thought of that, but that's that's probably the simplest way to do it. Just like that.
0: Honestly, I was, you know, we I was not panicking, but Bonita was panicking, and I said, "Wow, I need to find a solution. I need. I have an eighty-six square meter spinnaker that I need to find a solution. Otherwise, we're gonna crash tra- into your rock. And so there was only a, f- a few suck, uh, like a, a little sock so that that would allow us to enter in this uh, little bay and anchor and again uh, climb up to the mast and finishing wrapping all the spinnaker. So it took me like uh, half an hour to do that. And uh, after we had to go back to Martigue and the wind totally stopped and we only had the mainsail. So at the moment when we needed the sail, <laughs> there was no more wind and we only had the mainsail. sail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so you sailed mostly from a home base near Marseille little ways away from Marseille and I think you uh, you took people out sailing on your boat with you didn't you
0: yeah exactly um... yeah we did a bed and breakfast with
2: them uh, with her so we started off at Airbnb just uh, opening up our cabins and then people were interested in going out sailing so we took them out sailing if weather permitted And uh, some people, friends of friends, talked about us. And they have people who are interested in doing bachelorette parties. So we would have them along. And I like to cook, so I would provide food for them as well. And so it was very nice. We would take them, like we we had families. We were, we took like a family of five, right? Three kids, two parents, Mm -hmm. and we were all scrunching in a boat for about, Two three days for a whole three
0: days. It was um it
2: was doable. It was very fun. But after the last day, we we just kind of we needed our space in that small boat.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and when when Bonita was gone uh, at this same period, I got guests from uh, South Africa or from Russia as well. So I was by myself taking care of them. And uh, last summer, I decided to do only this activity uh bonita was not there she was back in california and i would I, w- I was so busy like every day i had guests that i would bring here and there just for one day or just for, uh, for or for a week and uh allowing me to go much further toward east uh to the east, Porc- to porquerol and uh, porcro uh which is which are the very very beautiful uh, islands um
1: toward east Did you live on the boat full-time during this period? Yes. Okay. Have you always been a sailor? When did you learn how to sail? Well,
2: for me, I learned um, Capri sailing in Long Beach, California. I started summer of 2013. So it was like two months. And then after that, I moved to France and learned how to sail on the bigger boat with David. And so it's been three years or so for me. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, also when when she arrived, oh no, there before. Before we had this uh, this sailboat, uh, we used to live in another city, and uh, I introduced Bonnie to uh, to sailing, and we would go uh, for regatta in the Mediterranean as a crew, and uh, so we started to to sail and uh, race. To say I'm pretty cadged, but I started to sail when I was uh, like something like. Uh, 10 years old, my dad uh, was a fan of uh, regatta, so we had a very, very small boat, like 17 feet, um, with a cabin, and my dad would only equip the boat for regatta, for racing on the river, and uh, after, I I loved... um, I was not so fond of of uh, sailing but I loved traveling and I saw after that hey traveling on a boat it would be great so I was more into sailing and uh, I tried to do all my professional experience in the in the field of of sailing so so I like for 2 years I worked for a Benito uh dealer uh, I did an internship in the Netherlands for uh, um for uh, uh, Regatta feature uh, company and uh, and uh, when I when Bonita joined me in France um I was working as a yacht broker for uh offshore cru- uh, sailing cruisers um so I had a lot of contacts and network in sailing, uh, helping me to get tips, to 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 have good prices, to to
1: yeah, to make having a boat easier when you are young and you are not that rich. So you, uh, I'm looking at your website, and the contact information is in Montenegro. So did you sell your boat and then go live in Montenegro for a while?
0: Eventually, it was the plan. But um, because we
1: started a project with a,
0: a super yacht over there, and this project unfortunately did not uh, did not work. Uh, but we eventually plan to bring our boat to Montenegro, because it's a very, it's a fast uh, growing economy with uh, more and more uh, tourists each year. But uh, but since the project did not work we didn't want to take the risk to bring the boat to Montenegro because it's a long trip like 15 days uh and having the boat here in Montenegro uh so
2: yep we um what what happened was we quit France uh last December no December of 2014. Yeah. And then we took our car and we drove to Croatia. And then we eventually landed in Montenegro. And we were considering um, maybe this yacht business could work out. And we were also considering bringing our boat there. But um, unfortunately, we didn't do any sailing over there. But when we were in Montenegro, we um, learned about the Bay of Kotor, which is one of the most magnificent places that I have ever seen. We swam in there, but uh, we, had, we were on a motorboat, but we didn't go do any sailing.
1: I did, a, I did a podcast not too long ago about my experience, my recommended charter out of Montenegro, and I've only found one charter company uh, in Montenegro, and it was out of the big mega marina, I think, uh, that you were talking about.
0: In Tivat. Yeah, Porto
1: Montenegro. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. We, we lived very, very close by uh, Porto Montenegro. And uh, it's a very small world. Everybody knows everybody over there, especially the expatriates. So if you, if you have some people who want to, to
1: have charter over there, let us know. We, know. we still know some people over there. All right. So now you're back in California then. how Did, did you end up selling your boat and, and coming back to California? What's, this, what's, a, what's your story right now?
2: <laughs> yep, we sold our boat. And uh, I came here in Long Beach, California, summer
0: 2015. Oh, yeah. after, after Montenegro, uh, seeing that we didn't, we felt that it would not work. Uh, we decided, okay, now it's time to set up our life definitely somewhere. And since Bonita missed so much California, I said, okay, let's start our life in California. So she returned to California. I went back to France. I did the whole summer charter to make money, and um, also we and we started this visa process because in in this story the visa is a big uh, is a big matter <laughs> because I could not go to California if I cannot work. Uh, even we we got married in France, but uh, it's not enough. The visa the process is very long uh, if you are not married in America. Anyway, so. I did charter till uh, end of September and October, and luckily, uh, my boat was sold at the end of my charter season. She was on sale since uh, April 2015, and luckily, after me making money, I could uh, I could find a, a couple of uh, young young people, and uh, they plan to 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 do a trip all around the Mediterranean with the, with the boat. So because I sold the boat, I had a lot of money, and I decided to join her, uh, but still under a tourist visa, since I don't have the green card. So that was in November no, November until uh, January, and in uh, January I went back to France, and I had an opportunity to crew, to make a boat delivery from France to the Canarias on a catamaran. And when you tell- yeah.
2: During the meantime I was here in uh, Long Beach working in Los Angeles and um, in the meantime we try to meet people we were joining meetup groups and um, we're trying to find ways to fund ourselves so we can do what we did in France here in America and we we're planning to maybe do chartering from Los Angeles to the Catalina Islands or maybe take people folks from LA to San Diego or Santa Cruz, here and there, but that's in their future plans.
1: Do you would you look for a boat that you could live aboard on, like you did in France, or would you want to have an apartment and also a boat?
2: At this moment, yeah. I want an apartment,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I love football. laughs>
2: apartment boat, and yeah. that's gonna be financially challenging for us. But we'll find a way. There's GoFundMe. Um, maybe I'll try to find some people to help invest in us.
0: If only we we live again on a boat one day, it's going to be for sure a big boat or even a catamaran, but something like really comfortable and only some month of the year.
2: Okay. Yeah. Minimal living and small spaces and the hippie lifestyle was very acceptable during our mid-20s, but we're we're not old, but we're getting older and we would like some more comfort. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't mind being on a small boat going off on a trip for like a month or so on a small boat, but to live in it for several months or years, um, I don't know if I could do it anymore. Because
0: it's not only the the comfort that is, a, that is a big deal. It's also all the administrative side. Like when you live on a on, on board... Like legally it's complicated, you don't really have an address, you have to figure out how to get an address to for the for the for the taxes, etc. It's it's like the government, well at least in France, does not really understand what is your you have to or today you have to be in a category and when you are not in a category you are you don't tick the the, the, the boxes then we don't know what to do. We, um, our situation as living on a boat was exactly as the the, the gypsies the, who travel by caravans in, in Europe. It was the same, same
1: legal situation. So you were homeless, basically, on your boat, it sounds like, huh?
0: Yep, exactly. We had a P.O. box uh, at the city hall.
1: Okay. All right. So, David, you... Um you have on your website proposed services, so you're available to be hired as a captain? Yeah, I intend to... to well, yeah. not, not at
2: the moment. He's yeah. working on getting his license.
1: Yeah, because at the
0: moment, I only have... Uh, okay, I have a little bit of experience, but the problem is that I have absolutely no diploma. And I started to, to study the course for of getting the Yachtmaster Offshore. But since we're established in California and the uh, U.S. Coast Guard does not recognize the Yachtmaster Offshore for charter here, um, I, I, I intend to get a
1: captain's license from the USCG uh, uh, this coming month. Yeah. Great. I think you guys said you have some other appointments this afternoon. You had 15 minutes for me, and we've gone on for about 25 do you have anything else we should briefly cover before I thank you for the time?
0: I hope our our uh, dream will become true as uh, organizing some charter uh, here in California because uh, the place is amazing. There is a regular wind, there is a warm wind, there is uh, uh whale watching, dolphin watching and there are so many islands, so the location is perfect for a charter.
2: And uh, yep, right now it's just brainstorming, networking, uh, looking for investments. And soon enough, we'll be back on a boat and we'll be happy to bring folks on our
0: yeah.
1: boat in
2: California.
1: We need to update our website as you can. on this. David and Bonnie, thanks so much for coming on today. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening. If you have comments, drop me a note. Franz1 at MedSailor.com. I'm looking for suggestions for topics to cover. So if you have some thoughts you'd like me to talk about, or if you have interesting stories of your own you'd like to tell, I'd love to interview you. If you just have any comments, feel free to drop me a note. But I really would like you to go into the iTunes podcast directory and write a review for this podcast. I really appreciate it when you do that. Tell your friends and family about the podcast. I'm trying to grow the listening audience. It's growing slowly, but not as fast as I'd like it to. And get out there and go sailing, Joe. You have something to tell me?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joel. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you, every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so
2: right. You made me very proud. I was just
0: thinking where we might be 10 years from now, you know?